So today we get to continue in our series in Moses. We've been looking at the story of Exodus and specifically how God has called Moses to lead his people out of out of Egypt. And so far we they've come out of Egypt. We've looked at that. They've been in the wilderness and God has provided for them and God has led them to Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb, which is where God uh, first appeared to Moses in the first place and said, hey, I will bring you back here with the, the people. Come back here. And so now Moses is is with the Israelites back at Mount Sinai and God is meeting with the Israelites. And there's this powerful um, scene in which God says, come meet me on the mountain. And there's thunder and there's lightning and there's smoke and there's these loud trumpet blasts and God comes down, descends on the mountain in fire. And you can read about this in Exodus 19. And there's this climactic moment. Everything's getting louder and more and more exciting. And then God, Moses, Moses asks God a question and God speaks. God speaks. And so last week, Micah, um, got to talk about God giving the Israelites the Ten Commandments and, and just the law in general. Micah got to talk about that. In Exodus chapter 19 from last week, just to recap a little bit, um, uh, God speaking through Moses, he says, tell the people of Israel, you yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. God has begun to reestablish covenant with the Israelite people, and uh, we'll read more about that today. So today's text, we are in Exodus chapter 24, and we're going to start in verse 3 together. When Moses went and told the people all the Lord's words and laws, they responded with one voice, everything the Lord has said, we will do. Moses then wrote down everything the Lord had said. He got up early the next morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and set up 12 stone pillars representing the 12 tribes of Israel. Then he sent young Israelite men and they offered burnt offerings and sacrificed young bulls as fellowship offerings to the Lord. Moses took half of the blood and put it in bowls and the other half he splashed against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and he read it to the people and they responded, we will do everything the Lord has said. We will obey. All right. We will get back to some of the blood and some of these things in a minute, but let's start with the basics of what in the world is covenant. This isn't language that we use terribly often in our culture, in our society. Uh, some would describe uh, marriage vows in a similar way to covenant, but still we don't use the word covenant uh, uh, one-to-one in that way. Uh, me and my life, about the only way I've experienced covenant uh, is by our HOA. Uh, we live in a neighborhood that has a homeowners association, and there are covenants uh, involved in that. So if, for instance, I'm working on a house project and I leave our trailer in the driveway for more than two days, I get a nasty letter from the HOA because apparently I am breaking the covenants. That was very specific. Is that hypothetical? <laughs> yeah, <or>? absolutely hypothetical. <laughs> it's never actually happened. Um, 
Anchor Bible Dictionary defines covenant in this way. Let's try to understand a little bit of what we're talking about as God is reestablishing covenant with Israel. It's an agreement enacted between two parties in which one or both makes promises under oath to perform uh, or refrain from certain actions stipulated in advance. So it's agreement between parties. We will do these things. We will not do those things taken under oath. Another way to describe covenant would be the creation of a partnership. So a relationship, a partnership with two parties working towards a common goal. And so um, it, it's it's good to, to think of the different layers of this relationship. So it's a legally binding thing, but also it's very relational and it's also very personal. And so this is one of the reasons why it's hard to understand because we don't have really a word that describes describes that type of relationship. So when um, the Israelites in other cultures in, in, in this time would create these covenants, they often laid out the consequences of what, what does it look like if we continue in covenant, and then what does it look like if we break covenant. And so we also see this in the Old Testament and in some of the curses and the blessings we see. We see this type of um, covenant relationship being formed. Also, we see the consequences in the ratification ceremony. So we read in there about the blood, about an animal sacrifice. Now understand, uh, we live in a culturally very different world uh, than the ancient world and the Israelites lived in. So this was a part of their covenant making, that an animal would be sacrificed. And in essence, what's being said is, may my, may, may my, fee, fate, <laughs> may my fate be the same as that of the animal if I am to break this covenant. Understand, these are not uh, uh, promises made lightly. Uh, these are very serious uh, moments when God and the Israelite people would make a covenant. It is wholehearted and it is serious commitment to living into the partnership and the details of a covenant made between the two. So considering all that, when we go back to Exodus 24, some of the details maybe make a little bit more sense. So God has brought the Israelites to Mount Sinai. He's given them the covenant, the law, like this is what our agreement is going to look like. The people are saying yes to that. We want to make this this covenant. The people are agreeing to the terms. And so then you see the animal sacrifices and you see you see that blood with the ratification of the covenant. Um, but it's also uh, really interesting to me to think about the big picture of Israel's history. So here the Israelites have come out of slavery, 400 years of slavery in which they have not governed themselves. They, they have been under the rule of Egypt and God has just rescued them and brought them here. And now there's this, this, the forming of this covenant or the, the confirming of the covenant that had started previously. It's, it's in a way reshaping Israel's identity as a nation. Like this is who you are. This is who you're going to be. You're go- I'm going to be your God and you are going to be the people of God. It's reshaping who they are. You know, when I think of, about my life and when I went off to college, <laughs> you know, Maybe you've had similar experiences where you have to kind of figure out, who am I? What is my identity? And I remember going off to college, and there's a lot of things that were new for me. There's a lot of things I was trying to figure out. I was, I was a hot mess. Um, but, like, little things, like, 
how am I going to respond? How am I, who, who am I going to be? I remember walking into the cafeteria one of the first days of my college life, and I realized that there was ice cream available at every meal. <laughs> like, and, and, I, and I remember standing there and thinking, oh, now I get to decide, like, if I'm going to eat ice cream at every single meal? <laughs> I, that had never been... What were you going to say? I was going to talk about breakfast, but let's go on. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not going to say if I ever had ice cream for breakfast or not. That's just not pertinent. But um, but it, it's, it's like going, when you, in that experience of just trying to ask those questions. Who am I? What do I believe? Who, who do I want to be? Now, at this, in, at the beginning of this new stage of my life. This is similar to what's happening here in the life of Israel as a nation. God is saying, this is who you are. This covenant relationship is going to define your identity. You know, Israel had been enslaved for 400 years in Egypt, and I can only imagine this moment now, having seen God's mighty hand uh, wipe out the Egyptian army that they might go free, and here they are at the mountain of God at Mount Horeb and seeing the fire and the thunder and all that's happening. This moment, realizing that the God who is that powerful is for us and is inviting us into covenant relationship with himself. So what are the terms of of this covenant that God is making with Israel. Well, last week we talked about the Ten Commandments and then the various types of laws that God will give to the Israelite people. And you can read Exodus and on in your Bible for a number of books about the laws that God had for Israel. Um, they were comprised primarily of moral laws, as an example, the Ten Commandments, moral laws, um, civil laws, that is, what would govern this nation? Remember, they've been slaves for 400 years. They didn't self-govern. So God is laying out for them, this is what, will, what it will look like to govern yourself. And then finally, ceremonial laws. These are the laws that will revolve around their worship of God and their interactions with him. So uh, the people were to keep these laws that God gave them. That is their side of covenant uh, to organize their society around the laws that God had given to them and to realize that they are to be a theocracy that is a nation ruled by God, exclusively by God and his commands and his laws. In turn, God's side of covenant, uh, he would be their God. He would lead them. He would dwell with them. He would give them a promised land that they're now beginning to travel to. And in the next few chapters uh, and next week, we're going to talk about tabernacle. God promises, I will dwell with you. I will come and meet with you. So for today, we want to take, I want to zoom out just even even more right now as we, we try to wrap our minds around this concept of covenant. You see, covenant is a theme that's throughout the biblical narrative from the very beginning, in fact, and it tells the story of a God who is comp- so deeply committed and so faithful to covenant relationship. From the very beginning, God creates the world, and he creates Adam and Eve, and scripture says creation was good. Creation was good. And God gives Adam and Eve the job, the role, to partner with God in caring for this good creation, in stewarding this good creation, in living in this good creation. And and so from the very beginning, God's intent was to partner with humanity, which that in and of itself is a pretty 
mind-boggling thing that this creator God wants to partner with humanity, wants to be in relationship with humanity. Um, the conditions were don't eat from the tree of, of good and evil. And of, as many of us know, yes, Adam and Eve did. And unfortunately, things, things went wrong. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. So from this uh, picture in the beginning of a God who desired to walk with humanity and partner with them and caring for his good creation, uh, then we see the fall and we see sin into the world and we see destruction and we see chaos. And you read of that for a number of chapters in the book of Genesis until in chapter 12, God comes to a man named Abraham. And this is the beginning of the covenant that God is now reestablishing with the Israelites, now a nation of well over a million people at the, at Mount um, Sinai, now reconfirming this covenant that began with one man named Abraham uh, many, many generations ago. Uh, in Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, this is God speaking, making covenant with Abraham. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and uh, whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This is God speaking of what he intends to do through this one man, Abraham. I will make you into a great nation. I will give you this promised land. Now, what's interesting about Abraham's story is he actually travels to Canaan shortly after receiving this promise. They lived there for some time until eventually there's a famine, and through this miraculous turn of events, go back and read in Genesis these stories and the way the narrative develops. They find themselves going to Egypt where there is food, and the Israelite people, this small family still, uh, or a, a, a large family, but pretty much a single family, moves then to Egypt and then multiplies in Egypt and then eventually is enslaved and 400 years of enslavement and now they've left and God is reestablishing this covenant. No longer does he have to say, I will make you into a great nation. They are a numerous nation. Now God is saying, as we reestablish covenant, this is what I want your nation to look like. He says, I'll give you a place and they are on their way now to Canaan. I will bless those that bless you and curse those that curse you. We see that in the interaction that God had with Egypt on behalf of Israel. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This is God's intent for the nation of Israel and the covenant. There's a really interesting story in Genesis um, 15 in which God re reconfirms this covenant with Abraham. Um, he, he, he puts Abraham, Abraham is asleep and he, he gives him this vision. God gives Abraham this vision. He renews this covenant in a vision. And in this vision, it's this ritual. It's the ceremony of cutting a covenant. And that's one of the ways that in Hebrew, you say make a covenant, they would cut the covenant because of the cutting of animals. And I'll, and I'll explain here how that works. But in this vision, God, that God gives Abraham, Abraham sees himself making a covenant with God. And it, when they make the covenants, they sacrifice the animals and they would actually cut the animals in half and lay them t on each side. And then both parties making the covenant would walk through that line of animals, symbolizing that we are this is us making this covenant, and if we break covenant, then our fates will be like that of these animals. In this vision that God gives Abraham, only one 
person or thing goes through these animals. And it's this fire, this fire pot. And God is represented by fire so much in scripture. And God shows Abraham this vision of this fire pot going through the covenant and only this fire pot going through these cut animals. And it's so interesting. It's such a such a fun story and so much cultural things to, to learn for me. I find this stuff kind of fascinating to think about. It's foreshadowing that, hey, God is making this covenant with Abraham. And God knows that the Israelites are going to uh, break covenant with him. And God, from the very beginning, says, I will take on the consequences of that broken covenant. So as we come back to Israel and the covenant made with them, uh, Israel would live according to God's laws and be his people, his treasured possession. And God will bless Israel and make them a kingdom of priests that represent God to humanity. And then the covenant, um, the ne- the, in, as the story continues, there's a covenant with David. So King David is a, one of the kings of the Israelites, and God makes a covenant with David in 2 Samuel 7, verse 16. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. And so we see how these different times, God's covenant with Abraham, God's covenant with um, Moses and the Israelites, God's covenant with King David, God is building on this covenant to describe the type of relationship God wants with his people. So Sir describes only God passing through that covenant. Uh, It's foreshadowing of what is to come. You see, God established covenant because it has always been his plan intent to walk with humanity. We saw it in the garden. We see it in his invitation to covenant with Abraham, the reestablishment of covenant with all of Israel. It is God's intent to work with and through uh, humanity to bring about hope and healing, to care for his good creation. And so uh, God continues to re-engage in these covenant relationships. What's tragic is to read uh, throughout the Bible the story of God's covenant people breaking covenant with him. What's remarkable is to see God's continued faithfulness and love in spite of his people breaking covenant. There's a reason God showed Abraham a vision of passing alone through the center of this sacrifice, and it is because God knew that in the end, it would be his power and his faithfulness that brought about fulfillment of covenant. You see, what we see is uh, hundreds of years after this story, um, Israel became a nation, eventually no longer theocracy. They started to elect their own kings in their nation. They start to turn their eyes away from God to other things. And eventually, after having lived for some time in this promised land as a sovereign nation, they're taken over by another nation. They become a vassal state eventually um, of Rome, right? I'm, I'm trying to do this. Uh, they become a vassal state of Rome, as we read in the New Testament, as, as Jesus comes to earth. See, here's the thing. From the eyes of Israel, they, they had always had this side of covenant to fulfill. And at this point, now a vassal state to Rome, they wouldn't even have the opportunity, would they want to, to live in the ways that God laid out the law. They're no longer a sovereign nation. 
I mean, it, it feels in this time like all is lost. There's no more hope of this good covenant that God was making to bring about healing and hope for all of humanity. How would it come about now at this point? And then, by God's miraculous power, born into the nation of Israel is this man, Jesus, who would be the king after the line of David. This man, Jesus, who would fulfill both sides of covenant, fully human and yet living a sinless life, walking in the way that God expected his people to, and yet also fully divine, bringing about healing and hope that only God could bring in this world. God would, through Jesus, fulfill both sides of covenant, bringing the promise of hope to all the world. I love that. I love seeing the ways in which Jesus fulfills both sides of this covenant. So I just want to list them for us. Um, the first of all is that Jesus was an Israelite, and also he was God incarnated. He was both. So, so t- speaking of fulfilling both sides of covenant, he was an Israelite, and also he was God. It reminds me of the Genesis 15 story. We also see that Jesus is, is the blessing from Israel that will bless all nations. He's the blessing from Israel that will bless all nations. And this is from the covenant with Abraham. And then, like Micah said, Jesus is the sinless, perfect, law-abiding Israelite, again, from the covenant with Moses. And then Jesus is the king from the line of David that will reign forever. Jesus at the right hand of God. So in many respects, we would say Jesus has fulfilled covenant. But the conversation of covenant actually continues. I think it's significant to realize that God's work in this world and his intent does not change with Jesus. God is still desiring to bring about hope and healing in this nation. And so in Jesus, we see a a new iteration of God's continued work through humanity in this world. Jesus uh, comes and he says, all those laws, those Ten Commandments, and all the other laws we have are summed up in this, learn to love. Love God with everything that you are and learn to love your neighbor, your neighbor being anyone and everyone you come in contact with. You see, Jesus' covenant, Jesus' law has to do with love. Learn to reciprocate the love that I have given to you. And shortly before Jesus uh, will be crucified, he says to his followers, or before he'll, he'll leave earth, he says, uh, go to all nations, baptize them, teach them all that I've commanded. He says, go to all the nations, bring this good news to them. You see, in Jesus, God's covenant, God's intent to bring healing and hope in all the world will continue. But instead of through the nation of Israel, or in addition to, the church is invited into a beautiful place in the story of God. So Jesus invites us currently now, as God's people, as the church, Jesus invites us into covenant relationship with God. And when we look back at this story and we see all the ways in which God has been present, all the ways in which God has been faithful to God's people, what a beautiful invitation to be invited to be God's, God's covenant people right now, right here. This narrative that we see, you know, that we tried to summarize, you know, from, from the very beginning of scripture, we see God's love, we see God's faithfulness, and we see God's desire to partner with humanity and to be in covenant relationship. And we see the depth of God's love and faithfulness. And friends, that is what we're invited 
to. We are invited to experience this depth of God's love and faithfulness in relationship with God. Listen to the language of of covenant in First Peter chapter two verse nine. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation's God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Uh, last night at about 2.30 in the morning, um, the dog started whining outside our door. Um, and so I got to get up and go let the dog out and then take forever falling back asleep. But it was a blessing because I heard I heard God last night. And the phrase that I heard last night while I was walking around my house wishing I was asleep was, Covenant community. And uh, I need to go further with this. I haven't had time to research this. I'm sure it's well written on in a conversation already out there. But this idea of covenant community, the church, we are a covenant community. Because here's a beautiful thing. Uh, scripture, like First Peter says, we, the church, are a chosen people. Notice it's a we, a, a plural. You in and of yourself are not expected to be the covenant person of God. We as the church are invited into relationship with God. And further, the beauty of the church is that we don't have to walk alone, but as we strive to bring a, bring about and partner with God in the in the hope and healing happening in our communities and throughout the world, we're not alone in that journey. But we come together with different strengths and passions and talents. We come together to see God's good work fulfilled in our community. Let's pray, dear God. We thank you for this invitation to to know you and to be known, to walk in covenant relationship with you, to partner with you, that our whole lives may revolve around this covenant relationship. Lord, we thank you because this is such a beautiful invitation coming from you, a God who is so faithful a God who is good and loving, a God whose mission is to heal and restore this world. Lord, I just want to say thank you for that. And I ask that as we process this concept of covenant, and as we think more and, and have more conversations around this, Lord, I think I ask you that you would help clarify for us, give us a vision for what it looks like to be in covenant relationship with you and to be in covenant community with each other. As a church, Lord, give us imagination and vision for that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.